This is a Federal News Network podcast. And now, The Federal Drive with Tom Temin. Hello, and thanks for joining us on this Tuesday, April 21st, 2020, six minutes past the hour. I'm Tom Temin. Our producers are Eric White and Peter Masurlian, our digital editors, Amelia Brust and David Thornton. Coming up in this hour of The Federal Drive, bodies are falling left and right, not just from coronavirus, but from the ranks of IGs. Plus, what the Supreme Court really said in the age discrimination case brought by VA employees. Those stories and much more ahead during this hour of The Federal Drive. But first, nearly two dozen inspectors general, those not fired yet, will oversee coronavirus spending as members of the Pandemic Response Accountability Committee. But to keep an eye on more than $2 trillion, IGs on the board will need data analytics and visualization to flag potential fraud. The Recovery, Accountability and Transparency Board, you remember the RAT Board, pioneered the use of these tools for the stimulus bill passed early in the 2009 recession. For more on what the pandemic board can learn, Federal News Network's Jory Heckman spoke with the former chair of the Recovery Board, Earl Devaney. I had a board that overlooked, at the end of the day, $840 billion, and this amount of money dwarfs that money, so it's increasingly harder to provide accountability. I mean, the more money you have, the more the bad guys are going to come. You put $2 trillion on the table, and the bad guys are going to come around with all sorts of fraud schemes that they've dreamed up or they're going to dream up. And uh, every time you try to put a block in place, they try to go around it. So it's a constant battle between making sure that the recipients who are supposed to get the money get it and the ones that aren't supposed to get it get stopped. And one of the issues that I faced, and I think anyone involved in oversight of this amount of money will face, is the money is designed to go out the door as fast as possible. And that always conflicts with anybody's ability to watch that money and to guard it. Sort of at the end of the day, we had an analytical platform that could sort of prevent fraud, which is, I think, the place you want to be, as opposed to simply detecting fraud after fraud has happened and chasing the money down the street. What do you see as some other ways that this pandemic board might go in some different directions here? Certainly technology has changed in the the years between these two boards. Any thoughts there on, on how this could spin off in a different direction? Uh, it's virtually impossible to provide any accountability for individuals receiving money. But it's not impossible to look at businesses that receive money. And uh, and I think that's where the focus ought to be, right, quite frankly. The other issue is transparency. I've often said, and I continue to say, that transparency is a force multiplier for fraud prevention. And to the extent that the American public can see where their money is going, I think that's all the better. We had a map that people could go into on our website that uh, you could click on uh, your own zip code and see the money that had flowed from recovery into your zip code. And that gave, I think, the American public a visible way to see where the money was being spent. Anyone getting into this game ought to try to do something along those lines to provide transparency. Certainly there are a lot of IGs on the board. It seems a little bit larger than maybe what the recovery board looked like. Speaking from your experience there, how did you delegate oversight and responsibility between all these other IGs? Well, as a board, we didn't try to become another IG ship with auditors and investigators. We chose to build an analytical platform that we could look at the spending as it was going out from the agencies and try to identify anomalies electronically. And 
then farm those anomalies out to the IG that had responsibility for those monies. For instance, if we found a chunk of money that was going to a contractor to build a road and we felt like something was wrong there, we either tried to prevent the money from going out in the first instance, or if the money had already gone out, we referred that matter over to the IG of the Transportation Department. So, you know, all of these IGs need money to do the investigations that would inevitably come their way. And while I don't know how SICKI is going to set this up, I think I would advise them to use the IGs as the means to investigate and to audit and to confine their activities to try to identify the work that needs to be done. Yeah. I don't know if I'm belaboring this point here, but it seems that you're really kind of hitting home on the value of data analytics uh, on this platform to really kind of flag things that are, as you said, anomalies or, or things that don't quite look right. And then having IGs do that second layer of, of digging in and, and looking and investigating and auditing if they need to. I guess that's really the only way to oversee something as big as $2 trillion of spending. You couldn't hire enough investigators and auditors to do that. And quite frankly, that's what we decided 10 years ago, that we couldn't hire enough people to actually do the work ourselves. So we chose to leverage the various IGs. And uh, they got some money back in those days, but I don't think they got the money that they're getting this time. And so they're going to be busy. And I think that the way to go, and I'm you know, not predicting the way they're going to go, but I think the way to, that, that they will probably choose to go would be to have some sort of an analytical platform. Back 10 years ago, nobody had ever tried to use analytics to really look at spending money. The technology that we chose to deploy was basically from the intelligence world and, and in some respects law enforcement. It was the same kind of technology that Back then, we were trying to find bin Laden with this kind of technology. So today, 10 years later, that's almost off-the-shelf software that can be deployed to anomalies that pop up. When you look at data going to a company and you have another piece of data that suggests that that company was just opened two days ago, that's an anomaly that you might want to – it doesn't necessarily mean that it's fraud at hand, but it's certainly something you would want an IG to check out. And you've said – so much about the value of websites like recovery.gov in you know giving the public peace of mind of knowing that they're able to check in on the work of what was the recovery board a decade ago and, and now this pandemic board. Since then, other sites have cropped up with SIGI, oversight.gov and usspending.gov. What do you see as the value of making sure that the public does have an awareness of what's going on here with, with the oversight of all the spending? At some level, every American wants to know that their money is being spent wisely. They need to actually see that somehow. It could be as simple as we had it as a map on a website where you can go on and you can punch down into your zip code and see the money going in there. And the other thing is that essentially we created a million IGs. We leveraged that website to have people go in their zip codes and see things. And if it didn't seem right to them, we provided them with not only 800 numbers, but electronic ways to convey to us that I'm next door to that address that where that money went and it's, it's a vacant building. That's the kind of thing that we turned into, you know, a follow-up auditor and a follow-up investigation. And we essentially got the public to help us do our job. In discussing all of this, you know, are there any lessons learned from the recovery board or is there anything that if you could do it all over again, you would do differently. Speaking for the board, the whole board, I think we had a tremendous amount of success. 
normally in government expenditures, uh, particularly large amounts of money, fraud is usually somewhere between 5 and 7%. We kept fraud to 1% or less, which we felt was tremendously successful. But let's just say that any accountability that's provided this time keeps fraud to 1%. That's a lot of billions of dollars <laughs> that uh, could be lost to fraud. And, and what people have to understand is there's no way there will be no fraud. So there's going to be fraud. People should not be shocked when they learn that an IG has brought a case against somebody that tried to steal his money. And, you know, a certain amount of fraud is the risk of doing business now, the money Flowing out as fast as this money is supposedly flowing out cuts down on the ability to prevent money from going to bad guys that we might have learned with a month or so of analytical work shouldn't get it. But that's just the situation the country's in right now, and I understand why they want to get it out fast, and I think they probably are doing the right thing. It's just that with respect to fraud, they're going to have to have a fairly high tolerance for some fraud. Earl Devaney, former chairman of the Recovery, Accountability, and Transparency Board, speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. Check out Jory's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.